0: Well, 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 we are back. Welcome to Crime Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bounds, along with Lori J. Lori Joe Carter. Excuse me. <laughs> Lori, we got a brand new pursuit. Lay it on us. Okay. On May 26th of
1: 1992, 13-year-old Brandy Lynn Meyer and her sister, 11-year-old Kristen, were going to go door-to-door in their neighborhood collecting ple- pledges for Brandy's read-a-thon school fundraiser. At the last minute, Kristen decided she wasn't going to go, so Brandy left home, and Kristen watched from the balcony as Brandy walked down the street and out of sight. Kristen got a bad gut feeling at that moment.
0: Well, sound like she did. Um, You know, I was reviewing this case, and it's, it's sad when you read about little kids, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's just horrible. It's just horrible that we that we're here tonight bringing this pursuit before our listeners. Tonight we have a special guest that's with us regarding Brandy Myers. We have her sister, Kristen Thielen. Thielen? Um, I'm actually just got married, so I'm
1: actually
2: Dennis now. Oh. But uh congratulations from the Thank you so much. From the beginning of the campaign, I've been Salen, so it's pronounced Salen. but um, we're Dennis now, so I'm working on the name change as we speak.
0: Okay, (coughs) so is is Kristen, what's the last name again? Dennis.
2: Dennis. Dennis. Okay,
0: all right, so we got that straight. Sorry about that, I didn't know.
2: (laughs) No problem, no problem. It's not really known yet, and... I'd say every other interview I've done before now was with Salen, so that's what I'm known by, Kristen Salen
0: Okay. Well, congratulations on your marriage. Um, Thank you so much. So this situation that we have here on our desk, your sister, Brandy Myers, let's talk about who Brandy was. What was your sister like when you guys was growing up?
2: Um, she was very sweet she was kind of a quiet naive girl but um she was just really nice and she liked um she's really good at trivia and she liked to play with dolls and barbies and she was very girly and I was not so she would you know take the time to try to learn how to be a tomboy so she could play with me in a way I wanted to play like I like to jump fences and climb trees and do things like that. And that wasn't really in her comfort zone, but I think it just speaks to her character that she would try to learn to do those things just to play with me. So that's kind of the kid she was.
0: Okay. Um, So, you know, her coming up as a kid, you guys, you, you, you played a lot together in a safe community, a safe neighborhood, right?
2: Yeah, we played outside all the time. Um, You know, in our neighborhood, there were kids in the neighborhood that we played with regularly, and at the time, it wasn't like it is now where, Jesus, it's raining outside bad, Um, it wasn't like it is now where you're super hyper-vigilant and people understand that this is the world we live in. It was like, you know, kids played outside all night, you know, or, or into the dark, and Nobody thought twice about it because this just wasn't the norm back then, mm-hmm. you know. And um, Brandy did things at school. I didn't necessarily play with her at school because she was two grades, um, two years older than me, and she was also, like, in special ed classes, and I was a cool kid. So I didn't really hang out with her at school, but I would watch her at school, and sometimes kids would pick on her, and I would I would defend her or, you know, get in trouble for that. And I learned how to be pretty scrappy early on because these kids that were picking on her were obviously two years older than me as well. And, you know, she was my sister and only I could pick on her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was pretty much our dynamic. At home, we were thick as thieves. And, like, at school, she had her own little set of friends.
1: Well, it's good that at least, you know, she had a little sister taken up for her. It's usually your older sibling taken up. (laughs)
2: She did. She did. And, and because she was like in special ed and like, not that she was like terribly brain damaged, but she had a learning disability and, you know, therefore I think it just made her a little sweeter and a little more naive and whatever. So she, um, I don't know. She just, she wasn't like bad. You know what I mean? Like
1: she was just a good kid and I don't know. From what I've read um, and what we've read that your mom said that um, she uh, was a really sweet girl and just pretty much loved everybody and wanted everybody to be happy.
2: She, she did. She really, really did. Like, you know, she would always, anytime you were playing, like if you were playing house or school, she wanted to be the teacher or she wanted to be the mom and she wanted to take care of everyone.
1: So how, um, how are your parents uh, now from what I've read that I've, you know, they have had a, which every parent would have an absolute horrible time dealing with something like this. Um, but from what I've uh, learned, your parents had a really, really hard time accepting this. Um, Absolutely.
2: Like Brandy just,
1: you
2: know, it's it's, I guess maybe it's just even harder to handle when you have a kid that has any sort of special needs and they're just innocent and sweet, so it's kind of a, unthinkable to think that some, some harm had came to them, you know? It's not even like myself, who was just a little stink, and, you know, I was kind of a little troublemaker, and not that one thing was better than the other thing, but you know, when you just have an innocent, sweet kid who's just nothing but loving to everybody, including toward her bullies, and then something happens, it's just hard hard to handle. And my, my mother didn't deal with it well. We didn't know my father, my real father, at the time, and I ended up meeting him because the FBI tracked him down to question him about whether or not he was involved, and, of course, he was ruled out, but... He ended up coming to Arizona from where he lived to join the search party for Brandy. And that's, you know, when I ended up meeting him. So, you know, he didn't he you know, I don't know how well he dealt with it. We didn't really have a lot of a lot of conversations about it in the time that I spent with him before he passed. But um, my mother definitely didn't and my family didn't. My whole family just sort of died, and Mm -hmm. it was a really not good time for a long time, and I think it took us, you know, pretty much the 23 years that she was missing that we knew nothing to just sort of pull it together, like honestly, like, you know, all of us were just sort of frailing around and trying not to die, and now we're like carving lives out for ourselves, like we have to do something and, and make, make lives for ourselves we can't just live in that darkness and and now you know now that's what we're all doing but you know and my mother though she still can't you know we don't talk to her about it and you know she's not involved in anything that's happening with Brandy and neither is anyone else in my family like none of them choose to want to participate and that's fine Brandy was my sister, and I always protected her then, and I'll do what I can do for her now. So, yeah, I don't think anyone in my family dealt with it well. And, you know, it, it's a hard thing to deal with, a person that disappears without a trace. And, and then you get, like, the worst news you could possibly hear as to why that happened.
0: Okay. Um, so let's go to the day. What happened the day your sister okay. disappeared?
2: Um, Okay, Brandy and I, a few weeks prior to the day she went missing, went walking door-to-door in our neighborhood. And we lived in a Sunny Slope neighborhood, which is a suburb of Phoenix. So we had an approved stomping grounds for an area as we were allowed to do fundraising and also where we were allowed to play. And that was in between our apartments and our school. Our school was four blocks from our house. And um, so we were allowed to make this trip back and forth to school every day. We walked back and forth. And we played at friends' houses along this path. So this was the path we would take. And I can send you guys the map I have here. So we would walk up 7th Street, and that's a a little less than a block. And then we would turn down um, Carroll Street, and we would walk two blocks up this way or it's actually three blocks and then we turn on north second place and we walk a block to our school so i was supposed to go with brandy on the day that we um she went missing and there was a boy that i liked who had came he was coming over so i um chose to tell brandy she was a nerd and i couldn't be seen with her and that is what i reason why i couldn't go and those were the last words I ever said to her and the last words she ever heard from somebody who loved her. And honestly, those words kept me captive for most of my life. I'm just just now coming to a point where I just can deal with them and forgive myself for them and understand I was just a child and I was just being a stink. But honestly, it, <laughs> those words were crippling for most of my life. And um, so when I tell her I can't go and she's like, OK, I'm going to go by myself, and I used to like to hang on the outside of the railing of our, we were on the second floor. And so it was like our balcony and I would just climb over the, the railing and just, just stand there. Cause I was a crazy tomboy kid. And um, I watched her turn the corner onto Carroll street and walk in the direction of our school. And when she turned the corner, I had like, that sinking feeling in your stomach and that pit in your throat that says something bad is going to happen. But I was only 11, and I didn't understand what this feeling meant, and I'd never had it before. So I didn't, you know, call for her to stay back, and I didn't decide to go with her, and I just let her go. So, and then what I know now is that she continued up Carroll Street And she stopped about halfway up the block and she asked another friend named Katrina Hyatt if she could go with her. And Katrina was going to get her ears pierced that day. So she said, no, I can't go with you. But she watched Brandy continue to walk toward my school down Carroll Street. So then eventually Brandy gets to second place and her last known whereabouts were two houses, um, like in the direction of the school, but two houses before this man, Brian Miller, and she was walking in the direction away from my school. So she must've walked up, um, North, North second place on one direction and flipped around and came the other. Um, so she was walking back kind of toward our house So she was last seen and there's eyewitnesses that place her two doors down from Brian Miller's house, walking in the direction of Brian Miller's house. And the next or the the next house from the eyewitnesses was not home. The house after that is Brian Miller and the house after Brian Miller. She never made it to. So but we don't really know all this at that time. We knew the eyewitnesses and stuff, but we also had um, we had this timeline here that I just explained, but we also had a false lead from a girl who lived in my apartment complex, and her name is Maria Lynx. She, um, in the questioning, they taped up our apartments and everything, and they questioned everyone in our apartments, and she said that she was with Brandy and that they had gone to Smitty's. And Smitty's is in a different direction than this timeline I've just given you. So then the police are like, okay. And the girl says they went to Smitty's to spend the money that Brandy had earned on the bookathon or from the bookathon on candy and toys. And that just really never made sense to me because Brandy really wanted the the prize at the end of this fundraiser which was like going to the zoo and she really wanted to go and like Brandy just wasn't the kind of kid that would do something like that. Like I was a stink and I definitely would have wanted to go spend my my money <laughs> on some you know, things that weren't for what it was for. Brandy wasn't that way. And if she could have been talked into something that like that, it would have been from me talking her into it. So I never thought that, that sounded plausible but at the time we had no reason to question that. And Because of that, they began looking at the Smitties and in this area. And when they're looking in that area, they realize there's a pedophile in this area. So they start focusing on him, and they're wasting all of this time and all of these resources, and they're not focusing in my neighborhood, which is where they needed to be. You know, they did a light canvas, you know, but it wasn't as extensive as it needed to be. And um, and now, eventually, that girl and her statement has all been ruled out as false, um, and I, I don't know why, I, because of that, we can't r- um, remove Brandy from um, being last seen at Smitty's, because that's not, it has been ruled out as not true, and she's still listed in the missing children's database as missing at Smitty's. So, I don't know how to get around that, but... So that's just been ruled out as a false lead and that is largely in my mind why we didn't find Brandy at the time and why we didn't get her body back and all of this possibly really could have not had to come to this had that not happened so that's pretty much the day
1: so you have asked this um, this girl you're talking about to retract that statement
2: absolutely um, See, when I first learned about what happened to Brandy, I was sat down in my aunt's living room and like I I got the phone call at home and I was pregnant with my baby. And it was like, do you want to meet? Do you want to hear these details? Do you want to know what happened? Absolutely. I've waited more than half my life to hear this and I'm ready. So I get there and they tell me all these horrible horrible things and then basically they tell me that it's pretty much like we're, we're exhausting our avenues and if we can't get it done it's up to you so, so you, that, that was a challenge to me and challenge accepted so I've done my own legwork and I do as much research and I've got people on my team so I figure out who this girl is and I reach out to her because her story just isn't plausible. And I'm just like, hey, you know, I want you to know that because of your story, this was taken in a different direction and it took 23 years to find out what really happened. And you need to retract that statement because it's just not true. So she tells me that, um, number one, she tells me that she lived in my apartment complex. And I'm like, well, then that makes even less sense because then why don't I know you? And then in learning and, and meeting and talking with brandy's friends from school and like you know just learning more about who she was as a person when she wasn't with me i learned that the girl who claimed to be with brandy at smitty's is actually one of the girls that would pick on brandy at school so it makes even less sense that brandy would be with her why would she be with her so um so I, t- I brought that to her and I said, you know, this story just doesn't make any sense to me. Brandy wouldn't have done that. And you, I said, I believe that you made the story up when you were a child to gain attention from the situation, which is something people do in situations like this. And I don't mm-hmm. know why, but it happens. It's common. So I said, I can forgive that. That is the innocence of a child seeking attention from a situation. And that's forgivable. But now you're an adult. And, and you have every power in you to take that back and I need you to do that. And she was like, she said, well, you know, I don't even really remember this happening. She also said that she never made that statement to the police. She has no idea why the police or the newspapers or myself are reaching out to her. And I'm like, that makes even less sense because I can recall every time I've ever had any interaction with a police officer and I'm 38 years old now and you know and that's my entire life I can recall those instances and how are you going to forget and hardly remember when your entire uh, apartment complex is taped off and there's tons of police presence and cars and dogs and helicopters and search parties and on top of that you're the last person to see somebody alive you're not going to forget that and it's not going to just be a fleeting thought in your mind based on any of the people who knew Brandy and that had her in in their life, like they are forever changed as well. And it's not a day that goes by that they don't remember. And that's just even people who lived in my neighborhood at the time and didn't even know Brandy. And I, I find them now in, in my workings, you know, doing podcasts and running Brandy's Facebook page and YouTube channel that a lot of people were just around and they remember. So how are you, at 13, 14 years old, where you would remember, how are you going to just forget all that? So I'm like, you know, I don't believe you. And, you know, I told her in the end that there's a special place in hell for people like you. I said, (laughs) I believe you're lying about it now because you feel bad for having lied about it then. And this is your way of distancing yourself from it and not having ownership of it. But, you know, you're an adult now, and you need to own that, and you were a child then, which is forgivable, you know? And she was like, you know, I just never made this statement, and I don't even know why anybody's talking to me and whatever. And Oh, wow. You know, and I was like, whatever, man,
1: and I, I pretty much just let it go after that. I, isn't that an obstruction charge if she's giving a false statement on you well,
0: know, she was happened. young when she first gave the statement. She yeah, but she couple.
1: right now she knows she's saying that she doesn't remember doing it. Really? So um, I don't understand why she would have an issue with uh, you know saying I don't I don't really remember that.
0: Well, let me ask you. Um, let's get to when they found your sister. What what happened that day? Oh, they never found her. Okay, okay. excuse me. Okay, excuse right. me. Right. Um, so I'm
2: sorry, I have to get okay. up and shut my bedroom door So um, basically I get the call And we know what's happened And it's it's a lot of information So basically they tell me That there was a man named Brian Patrick Miller Who okay. lived in our neighborhood So he lived three blocks from our house And one block from our school Which means that every single day We walked back and forth by this man's house twice a day we also played in houses that were in view of his house. I've been back to this house as wow. an adult and looked down the street to see that he could see us. And I, I very much believe that he was watching us. And based on the line of questioning that the police gave me, um, he was. Like, he would just be at the churches that we would go and do events at. And just he would just be around. So I believe he was probably watching Brandy and... Um, so basically they lay out this timeline. They, they explain to me who Brian Patrick Miller is. He is, um, now known as the, the canal killer. They explained to me about Angela Brasso and Melanie Bernas and that, um, they tell me that this is a long story. So basically in about 2015, The police get a grant to test DNA differently, and they learn or they go to a conference where they learn they can test this differently. So they decide jokingly amongst themselves, hey, let's send off the Canal Killer case and see if she can crack that. So they send the the DNA to the same woman who cracked um, the Golden State Killer case. They send it to her, and she traces the Y chromosome and brings back the uh, surname Miller, and they begin to go through their paperwork, and they find his name. So they create some sort of ruse, And they get his DNA, and they match it to the bodies found in the Arizona Canal in 2002 and 2003 as Angela Brasso and Melanie Berners. And they knew it was the same person. They just didn't have a DNA profile. And, you know, it wasn't like it is now where everybody who goes to jail gets their DNA taken and everybody's doing, uh, you know, family ancestral things and stuff like that. So, you know, none of that had came up to bite him until now. So, um, so they, they arrest him and when he is arrested, um, and, and they must've been looking back at this paperwork and releasing, they talked to him at the time when Brandy went missing because he looked in my, he lived in my neighborhood. So they're making all these, they're connecting these dots. And then, um, his now ex-wife comes forward and she says, Hey, you know, when we were married, he used to tell me all these stories about killing these women. And he was very much into, like, weird cosplay and S&M what? and extreme bondage and, like, you know, crazy serial killer stuff. So she kind of didn't believe him and just thought it was, like, his fantasy world that he was trying to
0: scare <laughs> oh my her God. with. Oh, God.
2: So, you know, and she gives different details about, like, you know, just being married to him and how he would use knives. And, and one time he cut her hair and... Told her that was in place of slitting her throat, and if Crazy. he didn't love her so much, he would have killed her. So you know, I mean, I guess you could you could maybe believe that she did think that that was just part of his perversion. I guess you know,
0: but well, you would think that she would get smart and leave.
2: Personally, yeah, I personally wouldn't stay with anyone for any length of time after they had told me that, and I would go to the police.
0: So, oh yeah, you know, absolutely.
2: I can't speak to why she didn't. You know, I'm just grateful that she finally did. And so then she tells the police about one of these confessions he had made to her. And one of them is about killing my sister. So he told her that a girl with special needs came to his door doing some sort of fundraising, which that even makes sense to me because he's a monster. So he doesn't remember why she came to the door. He He remembers every sick detail about what he did to her. So those were the things he told in this confession. So he just said that he pulled her in the house and started stabbing her. And this is what the police are telling me when they're first telling me. So he pulled her in and started stabbing her, and she was alive for all of that. And when they're telling me all this, I'm asking them a lot of around-the-bush kind of questions until I can really just ask them what I want to know. Did Brandy suffer? And the detective told me, yes, she suffered greatly. But if it makes you feel any better, he caused death quickly. Well, that doesn't make me feel better. It makes me feel more uh, desperate to get justice for her. Yeah. So then after having stabbed her, um, he slit her throat and that's what killed her. But he wasn't done with her. He wanted to keep doing sick things to her like he did with Angela Brasso and Melanie Bernes. but. He, um, so he put her in the bathtub and he had intended to run cold water on her, which would slow his de- her decomp and her, her bleeding. But he was so excited, like he waited from having taken her life, that he turned on the hot water instead. And that sped up her decomp and made her bleed more. And he wasn't able to do all the things he wanted to do. So then his neighbors started complaining about the smell. What is the smell, dude? What is happening? And he's like, I got to get rid of this body, you know? And she's already, you know, past the point where this can be clean, you know? And um, so he cut her up in pieces and put her in black trash bags and stored her in his trash can until the next day when the trash ran. Now, I'll never look at a black trash bag the same. They're not allowed in my house. I don't, oh. you know what I mean? I'm. A, this is really hard information to just right. absorb. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So, and then they say he puts the trash can outside, and again, the neighbors are like, hey man, your trash can smells like death. Like, what is happening? And he told them, that there was rotten meat inside so nobody's looking in a trash can after you after you say that so my sister went to the landfill the next day and nobody really put all this together you know in my mind because of that false statement they were focusing in this area and most of this information that we have now we had then except for this confession you know so i mean i don't i just i don't know so that's the, that's, that's the phone call I get, that this is all what's happened. And, yeah. and then I'm blown away because how are you married to someone and you choose to want to tell them these stories? Like, you know, that's just insane. Like, how, I, how do, you, do you derive some pleasure from that? I don't understand, but that was his thing. So, you know, so they tell me all of this, and then they basically tell me that they've brought it to um, – the phoenix or the maricopa county prosecutor bill montgomery twice and um, each time he turned it down asking for more evidence and you know what after 23 years at that time and 27 years now there's never going to be more evidence what we have now is pretty much what we had then and we have more now but we have everybody i've i've spoken about all the eyewitnesses and everybody including myself that put brandy on this route are all willing to testify, including the ex-wife, that this is what happened to Brandy on this day. And basically because this man cut her up and threw her in the trash, and the Maricopa County prosecutor says, I want a body or no case. And
0: well, how Brandy's can you get say, if, no But dice. If he, No
2: dice. dice. not going to sit me down and tell me all of this and then tell me you're not going to do anything about it. Brandy's case is considered solved but not resolved. So... Yeah. You know, that's just, it's ludicrous to me that you can know every detail down to the color of the trash bag this man threw her away in and then tell me you're not going to charge him because there's no body. Well, that's not her fault, you know? And um, I've really dedicated pretty much every waking minute of my life since the moment I found out to trying to bring this to an end, you know? I finally have the answers. If I could get this man charged, I could move on with my life. And I honestly am at a point where I want to do advocacy for other people and help other people. But
1: that's great. You know,
2: I gotta, I gotta get this worked out. You know, and I don't. I mean, I can't even, I can't even begin to say the amount of work that I've put in to try to, to bring this home. Like I set up. I have a letter that I've pinned to all of my pages, which is a direct letter um, to Bill Montgomery. And it's basically, I would tell you my sister's story and I would ask you to sign this letter and you would be signing as public pressure. When they first told me about this, what happened and what I needed to do to get justice is that I needed to create public pressure. I needed to get numbers behind me and I needed to have people backing me and people in an uproar about Brandy Myers. And I said, Okay. And they told me to wait for a little bit because they were exhausting their avenues, and that went on for a minute. But the minute they said, we've done what we can do and it's your turn now, I was like, okay, what, what can I do? And I've slowly been learning on the curve that, you know, how to do interviews, how to podcast, how to tell this story over and over without breaking down You know, and and none of those things were things I knew. I didn't do Facebook before Brandy. I never wanted to be on Facebook. I didn't understand how people would be on Facebook for hours. And now I'm like on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. But my letter is because it's hard for me to get more than 10 people in a room. I have hundreds and thousands of followers and supporters, but they're online and they're all around the world they can't show up to my physical rally. You know what I mean? And so I can't put together like a huge crowd, but what I can do is mass produce this one letter and I can pin it to everywhere and I can get out on foot with hundreds of copies of them. And I set up and I'm so legit guys. I have banners and poster boards and a signature today, put the child murder away and Brandy's um, missing persons flyer with the Uh, missing endangered children's um missing and exploited children's emblem and like many candles one flame i've got poster boards and i've got the original um newsletter from the arizona republic that talks about the other girls and ties brandy in in case somebody wants to see further and like i'm out there on foot a lot i'll set up a pop-up tent and put up these banners and get tables and clipboards and I'm out there beasting and I will do this until my voice is absolutely gone and my body is exhausted because I'm not 20 anymore. I'm almost 40 and I will just push myself for days on end until I can't anymore, but I'll get me a nice, nice pile of, of letters. And then I take them down to Bill Montgomery's office and I deliver them to him. And then I also have them pinned everywhere. So collectively, like, hundreds and thousands of these letters have came to this man's office, and he's got to be sick of me by now. So my hope is, and I finally got a a promise from the um, the Phoenix Police Department, Brandy's cold case detective, that after this current trial, that we'll bring it back to the prosecutor. And I'm in works with actually meeting with a new lady that's going to be taking over for him, and I, I think we'll have better luck with her. Um, that we're just going to bring it back and see if he wants to play ball by now. And I think, honestly, he's got to be sick of these letters and these these phone calls and these emails, and he probably just wants to get rid of me. And and that's perfectly fine with me. All I want is a day in court. Um, I wrote Bill Montgomery myself, and I made it very clear, like, I am not looking for any additional time to be given to this man. I'm not looking for a death sentence. I'm not looking for any kind of charge. I need a charge, but not a sentence because there's nothing that they can give him or me or any of us that can ever account for what he took from me. That's not what I want. I want my, my chance to speak to him. My whole goal, my whole purpose is my impact statement. That is the only thing I I want to gain from this. I want an official charge because he took her life, and damn it, she deserves a day in court. She does. And 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 then I want my opportunity because, for anybody that doesn't know, at the end of a trial, when there's somebody who's hurt somebody, the family gets to speak to the the person that hurt them, or you know. So I want to speak to this man, and I've waited 27 years to say some things to him. You know, and, and it's not all bad. You know, I have, not like it's all good, but, you know, I just want to tell him he has no power over my life anymore. And God's honest truth, he did for a long time. I just couldn't forgive myself. And I was so lost in it that I couldn't even understand that I didn't forgive myself. Like, I had put up so many walls that I really felt like, yeah, my sister disappeared and that sucks, but I'm not affected. Like I am the way I am, and I was on drugs for a long time, and I just really believed that Brandy didn't. Have, I didn't want to use her as a cop out, and now I'm, you know, uh, coming up on 11 years sober, and I had to
0: okay, understand my
2: why. That's great. Thank you so much. It was one of my the best things I could have ever done for myself, and but in my getting sober, I had to really understand what my why was. Why was I honestly using? And then I finally just realized that she was always my why, you know, letting her walk away and saying that horrible thing. And she never came home, you know, and like just taking on her myself, you know, which is still hard for me now that I would just spend a lot of time just being, but I was that kind of kid that liked to annoy people and thought it was funny. So like, you know, she's my sister, she's my best target, like, you know, and all that time. And I'm just, I'm just saddened that I never got the chance to grow up and be like, dude, I'm sorry. I was just a little dick all the time. I'm sorry. Yeah, I understand. Mm -hmm. You
0: know? Yeah. Well, let me, Kristen, let me ask you something. Kristen, let me ask you something. So let's go back to where you said the prosecutor. Now, this man gave in a confession um, to Mm -hmm. say that, you know, he cut your sister's body up. And he dumped her like trash. How can the prosecutor expect to have a body to prosecute this case if he's already told that he got rid of the body? It makes no sense.
2: That's exactly what I'm saying. And since then, they've gone back to that house, and they they looked for DNA evidence in the house. But that. you got to imagine, at, at this point, it had been 23 years. So that's, and uh, in addition to that, like every single part of this house had been so extensively remodeled, it just wasn't the same house. And in the bathroom where most of this happened um they focused in there so it's like but it was a new bathtub it was a new toilet it was new plumbing it was new walls it was new floors it's not the same house after 23 years Mm -hmm. and even if it was like the same plumbing or something 23 years of dumping of taking hot showers and dumping cleaning products and shampoos and things like that down a sink there's just there's just no way that you're ever going to actually find DNA evidence there. And they're never going to dig 23, 27 years of the landfill up. And mean, even if they did based on the way the landfill works, because I used to be a trash hauler, um, like a load is dumped in the dump. And then huge excavators come, and they rake it in one direction, and then they rake it in another, and they rake it in another, and then they dump more stuff on top, and they rake that around, and then eventually they put dirt, and they put grass over it, but what was dumped in this one spot is miles away by the end of the day. So there's no way, even if they did dig that landfill up, that they would ever find her. So it's like... You know, and none of those things hold any bearing to me. When we know what happened to her, what are you talking about? You don't want to, it's a little more legwork than you want to do. Is that what you're saying? Because we have eyewitnesses that place her on this route and we have, we have this confession that he made to this woman and she's willing to testify. And I remember right, right. a day in my life, you know, and everybody's willing to say this is what happened and this is why Brandy didn't come home. And this guy just doesn't want to give me a shot because, you know, nobody cases are fairly new, but I'm also, you know, pretty good at investigating things on my own right now. And I know there's quite a few nobody cases that have gone through just recently here in Arizona. So I know it can be done. You know, it's just like, it's not like Angela Brasso and Melanie is where there's DNA evidence and it's a slam dunk, you know? But I'm looking at, you know, if you give me a chance, win or lose, that's more than what I have right now, you know? And I believe any reasonable jury would convict him with what we have, you know? And I just want that opportunity to do that. Like, I don't feel like it's, it's like, yeah, we know what happened, but she doesn't have justice. And plenty of people will tell me, do you really care? He's going to, prison forever and you know what i mean i care you know He's.
1: Uh, i wanted to ask you a question um when it came to angela brasso um his mom turned him in for that one right because um yep yep. she said he was obsessed with her
2: uh uh-huh she's the one that started to put him on the map because he was super obsessed with it and um she just thought it was weird and you know, so she called about it and said, "Hey, my son has this weird obsession with Angela Brasso." And yeah, so then they started started looking, and and here we are, man. So yeah, and yeah she just went for a
1: bike ride, right? And and never came yeah. home. And and so yep. did um the other girl. They both had just gone for bike rides, and uh, absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, and Angela was 22; the other one was 17. But um, and then but this guy is a total monster just like you said because he decapitated her and
2: right and see i really believe that brandy was his first which is why he made all the mistakes he made Mm -hmm. and then when he killed angela and melanie Burness, it was what he learned from having killed brandy because these guys develop into the monster oh yeah and there's probably other victims out there too yeah, absolutely. And, and they have a signature, but they develop into it. So I believe Randy was his first and he made a lot of mistakes. So, you know, and, and those were actually the ones that ended up, if he gets away with it, those, mm. those mistakes were actually the thing that gets him away with it. Yeah, so and there's that, other but, people,
1: other girls out there that's been stabbed by him and he's got by with that that are still alive. How many? Yeah. How many women yeah. has this yeah. man,
0: how many women has this man killed?
1: Well, okay,
2: he killed Brandy, Angela Brasso, Melanie Bernas, and they just added Adrian Salinas to I just, the yeah, case.
1: I just learned about okay. her. Okay.
2: Yep, so they just added her, which, you know, I feel kind of, I'm happy for her and her family, but, you know, it was like, hey, we don't want to add things to this this case, and let's wait until after this case. But they have her body back, and that's the difference here. They mm-hmm. got her body back, and... Yeah. um you know, so you know, I'm just I'm just I'm just praying on that after this trial we get our chance. You know what I mean? And and I don't know what I have to do if that doesn't happen. I'll take it to the Supreme Court. I will protest in front of the White House. I do not care, I will chain myself up to a tree. I am not going out like this and I am not spending the rest of my life I've devoted coming up on five years to this. And now I'm like, I just got married I'm super happy, I'm trying to plan um, having another baby and, like, I work a full-time job and I'm busy, like, my life needs me, you know, but I can't reconcile in my mind that I can't devote four or five or six years to ending this and getting justice for Brandy when she lost her entire life. That is a lifetime of memories that she didn't get to make, Mm -hmm. that we didn't get to make together, and my whole family is is decimated from it. I didn't grow up with happy memories and my family being whole. I grew up in brokenness and sorrow, and those things can never be changed. And this man needs to answer for that. It's not all about Brandy. It's about me, too, because I lost my whole life that same day, you know, and I'm just now pulling out of it. You know, the rest of my family is just now pulling out of it, and I don't know that my mother ever can you know, that was her baby, her, you know, and, and while I was younger, it was like, I was the older sister and Brandy was the younger sister, you know? And then like, I don't know that my mother can ever recover from that. And I strongly believe if she can, if it's even possible, it is when I win this and I can come to her and tell her it's over. Like it is over. I got him. It is over, you know? And I have family out here that chooses not to participate and, You know, and I've told them, like, you know, you can feel however you want and not want to stand with me. But and I know maybe it sounds crappy, but when I win, you're not going to be there in the winning circle with me because you didn't work for it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I know maybe that sounds mean, but this has been blood, sweat and tears. This has been sleepless nights for five years. This has been rehearsing for the next interview. And you know, carefully trying to plan my words because I think that these words might win this for Brandy. And that's a lot for one one set of shoulders, you know. And I have a whole family that could help me with this and they just choose not to. So that's fine. Yeah. But um, you know, when I win, you know, it'll be me and my supporters, you know, standing there um, because we're the ones that fought for it.
0: Yeah. So you you made it pretty clear that you're not giving up and, and and I appreciate that so what's next what's next
2: what's next is I need to um start hitting it hard I'm gonna I'm planning some more campaigns that I'm gonna try to do through till Christmas um, I recently just got married and got sick and like everybody's been sick in my house and like and my kid came down for the wedding and it was just like a whole thing and I've been going non-stop and my body is just Kristen, you need to sit down for a minute. So I think in like after a week from now when I've recovered completely from this cold, I'm going to start doing some campaigning. And we've got about, I don't know, 2,500 or 3,000 signed letters right now. So I want to get a nice stack, and I'm going to try to uh, spin it with like a Christmas, Christmas delivery from Brandy, um, a Christmas gift from Brandy to Bill Montgomery, and we're just going to deliver them in a big Christmas bag. Like, I wanna be I wanna be a thorn in his side. I absolutely right, do. I want him right. to understand that I'm not going anywhere. There but you if know. you're tired of the publicity and you don't want people coming to your office to question you about why you're not bringing this to court and why my why I have to fight this hard when we have all the answers we need, then all you need to do is give me a court hearing, go away. That is all I want and I will go away. And my plans after that would be to um, I honestly want to set up like, I don't know, like a um, a nonprofit where I can teach other people how to do what I'm doing now, because coming into this, I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to run a justice page. It's very different than an actual Facebook page. I didn't know um, about doing news interviews and podcasts are really great because you can speak longer and you can get your story out. Yep, that's true. Like an actual news interview, they might interview you for forty-five minutes to an hour and use two minutes. Mm-hmm. They're only allowed to use two minutes, so they can also take what you said at the beginning and what you said at the end and put it together like that's what you said. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very strategic about what you say because you only want them to say what you want to be said right you know and then i'll explain like what he did to her they'll only put the confession on there you know they, they didn't really push my my agenda it was like hey this man cut brandy up and did these horrible things well that's the one thing i would leave out honestly thanks so you know there's a lot of things to learn as to how to get justice for somebody who went missing and I would love to be able to help other people. Like if your sister or brother went missing and you filed a police report, a missing persons report, they gave you my business card and you came to talk to me. And in my in my fantasy world, I get I get Sarah Turney and um, Kimber Biggs to help me, and they are also good friends of mine out here who have missing sisters, and all three of us. Are doing the same thing, and we're running justice campaigns and trying to get justice for our sisters. So I think it's fantastic you know, that
1: you you're doing that. You and your team are doing that, and that you're teaching other people in the same situation how to do things like that. Yeah, it's just agreed. a it's a very very sad state of this world that we're in. That this is even necessary.
2: Exactly, or like things like uh, just coming to terms and accepting, and, and like working through, knowing that you need to have a hook. Like, I don't know how many times I've done an interview and they said, well, we need to get a hook. So what you're telling me is that my sister being murdered by a serial killer is not hook enough. Mm -hmm. You're also telling me that the fact that she was, she was, the man was caught the same way the Golden State Killer was caught, which was huge, and that was a great, big huge deal. And the same woman even who caught him. So that's not a big enough hook. Now I need to like, incorporate a Christmas Santa thing into it. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy to me. What are you talking about? Like, what's, what's not interesting even for, cause so many people are very interested in, in serial killers and things like this. And, and I've even had to come to terms with that. And most of my followers are people who are interested in this kind of thing. And that's why they came to me to begin with, because they want to learn about, you know, how their minds work or whatever, you know, and so you know i need to make those people my people as well and you know so therefore i'm on a lot of pages and i don't really necessarily want to be on like some some pages i joined like um because brian miller was on him and somebody told me hey he was on those and there's posts up there and maybe you should check them out so i joined like this super creepy page and you know eventually i talked to the guy that runs the page and asked him if he could just show me like hard drives or whatever and he was like there's nothing really here and You know, so I was just on this creepy page for a while I didn't want to be on. No, I'm not on it. But, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. Like, it it takes a lot to do this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. um, You know, I would have really loved in the beginning to have had somewhere I could have gone or somebody could have told me how to do this. And it's taken me, you know, four years. Well, you were so young. You
0: was very young back then. So I understand.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I was only 11 and Brandy was 13.
0: Okay, well, Kristen, uh, we have come close to the end, and we're doing. We got something new uh, that we're going to start tonight. So, really, you're kind of going to be a part of history, and it's okay. something. I love it. You love it, okay? <laughs> and it's something called the last goodbye. Um, okay. if your sister was listening, and she could hear everything that you're saying right now. What is it, what would you say to her? What would be your last goodbye?
2: Honestly, um, I know through a lot of things that she is here right now. She's listening. But I would tell her I'm, I miss her. I miss her with everything I am. I miss her, like, breathing. And um, I'm just sorry I was a stink all the time. But I know she knows that. And I just can't wait to see her again. Dang, that one got me, guys. You got me right to the end, but that one got me. I just... You know, I just miss her so much. I wish with everything I had that that wasn't the last thing I said to her. And, you know, like any other time somebody was trying to hurt her, I was there. And then the one time she really needed me, I wasn't, you know, and that's just hard to live with. But I know it wasn't my fault and there's nothing I can do about it. And I would just, I will just tell her I love her. If I could just speak to her, I would tell her I love her.
0: I know you would. And I want you to know that, you know, she she loved you. I I know I just listening to you in the beginning and just always don't let that let this be closure. Don't let that beat you up. okay? love your sister. Keep fighting for her. And I know she's looking down from heaven and seeing exactly how hard you are fighting for her and she is know, so I proud of you care. right now she is so proud of you
2: i know i also know that she honestly doesn't want me to do any of this like, <laughs> i yeah. believe that uh, i read a story once that, and, and let me know if i'm taking up your time but i read a story not too long ago that spirits that are attached to you will try to communicate to you through your electronics so they can mess with electronic things They can mess with your lights or your phone or your tv And when they're doing these things, they're doing it because they're trying to tell you something and you're not listening. So Brandy messes with my phone all the time. Like she's done all sorts of things with my phone and she'll turn my TV on at three in the morning when everybody's asleep or, you know, she's even gone so far as to like mess with my headlights on my car and I had to have a talk with her and say, you can't do that. That's dangerous. Like, don't do that. (laughs) Like, I don't want her to go away because I know that she's here with me, but You know, she can't do things like that. And so, like, um, I don't know. And I had a friend who, um, for this last Candlelight Visual, she's a singer-songwriter, and I asked her to write a song for me, for Brandy. And um, she told me that Brandy was with her when she wrote the song, and it was very emotional, and that Brandy um, really wanted the song not to be from me to her, but from her to me. And, you know, I just listened to the words of the song, and in the song... Like she says, if she had one more day with the earth beneath her feet, she would ask me not to fight. She wouldn't ask me to fight and she would just hold me, hold me tight. Oh. That's a, like one of the lines in the song. Hmm. So I know that that's what she's trying to say. I'm at peace. I don't need this. You don't have to do this for me. But I'm stubborn and I just refuse to be told. Yeah. That. I don't blame not you. Even, you know, it's not even bad. It is horrible it is criminal mind stuff it is like you know it is horrible 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 and i'm just not gonna live with that i'm just not i I understand i want a day in court and i want to say it's over you know and i believe you. i I can move on
0: i believe you'll have that day honey you keep fighting okay so you want to tell the listeners um about your facebook page how they can follow uh the case how they can get information regarding your sister you want to let everybody know about that
2: absolutely i am on facebook twitter and youtube um i'm most active on my facebook page and everything is under justice for brandy myers um i'm most active on the facebook page if you want to reach me directly then that's probably your best bet Um, but I have a really great YouTube channel and, um, if this can be put on YouTube, I'll put it on YouTube. Okay. I have a lot of really good work there. So if you want to just like watch, even like I've done crime watch daily and there's a lot of really good podcasts up there. You can, you can watch and get a good idea of, you know, there's more in depth things about the other girls and more about him and things like that. And all of, all of this can be found on Brandy's page. Um... There's two different Twitter pages. There's one, um, I think, at for Myers, and that one is ran by Anel. She was 16 at the time, but she's 17, a girl out of the UK who um, started that Twitter page for Brandy, and she also did um, the uh, petition for Brandy. So she's one of the girls on our team, and she runs that page. And there's another one that's Kristen Thalen at three, I think. Okay. So it's all you can just punch in Justice for Brandy Myers and, and they'll pop up. They'll pop okay. up. So the okay. the second one yeah, the second one is ran by me, but honestly Twitter is kind of complicated for me and I'm not as good as at <laughs> Yeah, Twitter, I understand so. me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm with yeah, you, I'm you on that. I'm definitely with you on that. Yeah. Um, you know <laughs> I love the Facebook. But I so. am there and there's a lot of missing persons things going on there. So um, just any of those outlets and my my letter that I spoke about is pinned to my page on um, on YouTube and it's also pinned to my page on um, on the Facebook page, Justice for Brandy Myers, and that letter can be printed and you just sign underneath Sincerely. Okay. And you're signing public pressure and you just mail it back to the same address that's on the letter.
0: All right. Oh, fantastic. All right. Okay, well, we appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. And we will still keep an eye on this. And if you need anything from Lori or me, you feel free to reach out to us or anybody on our team, okay?
2: Yeah, I will absolutely do that. I think that this has been this is going to be a real fruitful um, interview to have done like, with the advocacy and things like that. I think you guys can really help me. And yeah. I appreciate that because, like I said, I'm just one girl, you know, and I, I have... I have built a team for myself and I call it Team Justice, but Okay. You know, it's, I'm still this one girl. So well thank I you for so talking
1: well. with us, Kristen. <laughs> yeah,
0: thank you, Kristen. Okay. And and you have a good night, okay? All right,
2: you do the same. Thank you so much. Are thank you, you welcome,
0: hon. All right. Guys, okay, we gotta guys get, get ready to get out of here. But before we go, you can follow us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, Google Podcast, tune in iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Podbean. Now, we are now on YouTube and you can find us on Instagram as well. Now, we would like for you to go to our Facebook page, Crime Pursuit Podcast. Uh, Hit the like button, hit the follow button, and follow us. We're constantly posting things on there, uh, updates with cases, and we like people to interact with us. And if you've got any suggestions or any any case suggestion, anything, we have numbers you can text us or you can simply inbox the page. All right. You guys have a good night.